0: Welcome to another edition of Turn of Punk. I'm your host, Damian Abraham, and once again, I am bringing you a conversation with someone who grew up listening to punk, may or may not still be involved in punk, but had their life changed by the genre in a major way. And today on the show, it's a majorly awesome guest. It's someone I've wanted to talk to for a long time, and now it's happened. Brad Logan from uh, Choking Victim, Leftover Crack, from uh, Exploding Fuck Dolls, from F-minus, from South Park fame, kind of, you know? Anyway, more on that in a second. But first, if you want to get in touch with me, you can head over to DamianAbraham.com. There is an email address there where you can drop me an email. And uh, if you want to get in touch with me in the immediate, though, you can find me on various forms of social media, at Damien. And if you would like to find us on Facebook, there's a Facebook page that's run by my long-suffering younger brother, Tristan Abraham. And you can send him a message, and it will get to me. Trust me, we talk a lot. We're in the middle of a... Pretty pretty heated record uh, trade right now, so uh, we're talking quite a bit, so send him a message. He'll get it to me. Uh, and if you don't use Facebook, like myself, you can find uh, the show on Tumblr at turnoutapunk.tumblr.com. And we post stuff that gets sent into the show um, that we post on the Facebook page on Tumblr as well, so that way you can see it if you don't use Facebook, you know? And if you'd like to support this show, the best way to do so is by going over to iTunes, and subscribing to this thing that are there are other podcasts in the turned out a punk family. There is clobbering time, uh, which Tom, Brian and I have not recorded one of those in a long time. It's the wrestling podcast. We will do one of those again in the future. We, I, we got to get on that. Uh, there's also oil and flowers, which is hosted by myself and the great Buddha blaze. And we talk about cannabis on that show. And, uh, it Buddha does an amazing job with that thing. He, he finds a lot of people really involved in the industry and, and, and hits them up and gets, you know, some, some cool, cool conversations. If you're into cannabis, that is the podcast for you. And then there is also Turned Out of Punk, which is hosted by myself and Chris O'Toole. And uh, there is no cannabis really ever discussed on there unless it's by me because Chris does not enjoy that stuff. But what he does enjoy is nerding out about these episodes and he and I Both uh, dissect these things and kind of get into the nitty-gritty. We'll have a lot to get into from this one, trust me. Uh, So that is how you can support this show. And if you'd like to support me, and you live on the West Coast of the United States or Canada, you can support me in that by coming to one of these fucked-up shows that we are going to be playing, where we're going to be playing our first album, Hidden World, 10 Years Old, My God, Time Flies. In the words of the band, "Time flies." No, <laughs> grilled biscuits. <laughs> but anyway, uh, the uh, the 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 more to the point is, you can come and see us do that record, start to finish, and it's going to be a fun time. And hopefully, you will have a great time. Also, if you are in the Kingston area. Because I'm going to be coming to the Kingston Film Festival. I'm going to be coming with Nirvana the band, The Show. There's going to be a QA. There's going to be a conversation with those guys for Turned Out of Punk. There's also going to be some returning guests. Maybe a phone call conversation with a with a much beloved former guest that's going to be also joining us as well. It's going to be it's going to be a fun time, I think. And also Crystal is going to be there, it looks like. So there you go. That is next weekend or coming up very soon, March 4th. Is that next weekend or two weekends? Speaking of time flies. I think it's like two weekends. No, next weekend. Yep. March 4th. Next weekend. Kingston Film Festival. Come see it. It's gonna be awesome. It's gonna be a live turned out of punk. Nirvana the band, the show. Spectacular. Speaking of spectacular, on today's show. Today on the show it is the spectacular Brad Logan. So Brad Logan is someone who first came to my consciousness through the mention of him on the TV show South Park when Rancid was on the Chef-a-Palooza episode and opened with the song Brad Logan. And uh, I, I think from there, I kind of became much more familiar with him as a musician through his work with the band F minus. But of course he was also in leftover crack and choking victim and the exploding fuck dolls who are an amazing band. that I have a seven inch by that. I didn't even know that he played in till very recently. Anyway, all of this is discussed in the show. I don't think there's too many notes for me to go over because, uh, I, yeah, there's not, not too much to kind of let you all know about. Uh, there is at one point you'll hear a crying baby, don't worry, I wasn't neglecting my child to do this interview. Lauren was with the baby in the other room. So don't, don't think I was like just like, you know, being like, ah, oh, the baby will go back to sleep. I, I'm, I'm talking punk. I can't, I can't get off this. And I, I really think that's the only note I have. Um, anything else we'll get into on footnotes, because trust me, as I said before, Chris O'Toole and I have a lot to get into after this episode. There is a lot of meat on the bones to kind of dig into. Whew, get ready. Get ready. Um, this is a good one. So sit back, relax, and enjoy Brad Logan on Turned Out a Punk. Brad, welcome back to the show as I attempt this again for the second time. Yes! Hi, Damien. Uh, well, as I was saying before, before I was rudely interrupted by technology or the lack thereof, uh, <laughs> you to me were, are one of the great enigmas because I remember watching South Park seeing Ranson come on play this song called brad logan it was before i had access to the internet to really find out you know who this was Uh, years later getting into f minus and then you know finding out uh, brad logan connecting all the dots and now you know obviously we've met before this in person but now being on the phone with you i really get to connect the dots yes (laughs) I'm, i'm honored thank you well you know what and i've connected even more dots recently because I started entering my records into discogs and I had no clue that you were on the exploding fuck dolls from hell seven inch indeed yes I was sir wow this is my god Brad get ready for some punishment (laughs) (laughs) but this is not just about me bothering you about records and pressing information no this is about your life story and your journey into punk and i want to oh start my it God. off i want to start this off the way i started them all off my friend which is how would you get into punk do you remember the first time you came across the genre uh, well i remember the first time i heard a
1: punk record i guess like mm-hmm. um when i was a kid i got into like um I, I got in a, to rock, I guess, super early on, um, probably about nine or 10. Uh, my mom used to buy me, she would go to like flea markets and she would buy me records, you know, for like a quarter or a dime a piece, and she'd bring them home for me, hey, I got you some stuff. And it would be <clears throat> like Black Sabbath, oh, awesome, Led Zeppelin, um, Elton John, and she would just hand me the shit, Alice Cooper. And I would be like, "Whoa, what's this?" And I would go to my room and listen to it, and and, and just be blown away by it. Was she then, into music? Was she into music at all, or did she, she just buy the she, stuff on spec? She would buy it on spec. Wow, you know, like Good I, I think this is what I think this is what the kids are into. But <laughs> I mean, cause she was into music. She was into like Janis Joplin <laughs> and like Frank Sinatra, you know. And, and she wasn't a part of any scene or anything. She was like a peripheral music fan. Mm-hmm. But, uh, she was, I, I have to credit her for turning me on to, you know, all of this insanity. And, and, um, uh, you know, I, I took it a step further and at some point, because my family was all on the East coast and we'd go back there every Christmas or every summer to, <clears throat> to visit. And at some point I remember going into a newsstand and running across like Rock Scene magazine, right? Which was, a a, you you know, Roxanne, it was like a New York mag and, you know, it was like filled with all these pictures of just this like crazy, you know, New York scene, music scene, insanity. And I remember like picking these up and seeing pictures of like, you know, the Ramones and the English punk scene. And this, you know, was like, had to been in the mid seventies. And and I was like, Oh my God, these people look insane, man. This is so crazy. (laughs) and so I, I ended up subscribing to Roxine, and you know they would be delivered to my you know house in california and um at some point I was in a record store uh around town I was going to the movies and there was a record store next to the movie theater, and I walked in and they were playing Krieg Bob by the Ramones yeah oh. um oh, uh, hate to be so uh uh you know cliche, but that's that's what it was and 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 I was like I remember thinking wow, this is really catchy. And, and cause looking at those pictures at Roxy and I had absolutely no concept in my mind of what these guys would sound like. You know, there were dudes in yeah. jackets, fucking ripped jeans, and they just fucking look like gangsters, you know, like thugs from the alleys of New York. And, and, uh, and I remember thinking, oh, this is pretty cool, man. It's really catchy and it's really raw. And, and, and I dug it, but you know, I didn't buy it. And then, uh, you know, maybe a couple of years later, or a year later, um, I discovered Rodney on the rock mm-hmm. on the family stereo, which was in our living room. And, <laughs> and I would flip around on the channels, man, on a Sunday night. And then I remember Rodney playing God Save the Queen by the Sex Pistols. And, and, you know, again, another band I had seen in the pages of rock scene. And I was like, holy shit, these guys are even gnarlier <laughs> than the Ramones, man. You know, and those, those vocals. You know, the it, it was Johnny Rotten's vocals that yeah. were like this guy's fucking pissed off, <laughs> you know. I knew nothing about like, you know, international politics or England or anything, but it's like, oh my god, he's so angry. This is incredible. And and that was the first time I'd I'd heard punk. Um by that time I had already gone to a couple of concerts. What what concerts um,
0: had you gone to? What
1: were like kind of the what like <laughs> what was the music you were into immediately before, I should say? Immediately before that was was Alice Cooper. Yeah. Led Zeppelin, Black Sabbath, Elton. I was a big Elton John fan. And and that was he Elton John was actually my very first concert. Elton John at Dodger Stadium like fucking I don't know 1975 or whatever. I was literally 10 years old <laughs> and went with a bunch of like my older friends from grade school for you see Elton John. And uh, I think my dad drove
0: us. That's awesome. I like yeah. I, those that that early Run of Records like like Saturday night's all right for fighting. Like that's a hard song, you know, there's like some (sighs) totally hard song, right. About just barroom brawls, brawl, you know, and
1: that, that like, um, goodbye yellow brick road Mm -hmm. is like, I I love that record. I don't even know if it stands the test of time. And, but it's just like, and some of it's just so cheesy, but then some of it's like, you know, really, really fucking well-written and, and cool stuff. And, and, I don't know if I can vouch for a lot of his stuff, um, but that record still is like dear to my heart, man. Uh, yeah, Goodbye, Ellibrick Road. It's fucking the shit.
0: Well, it's also because um, like, you bring up the Ramones and you're like, yeah, like, you know, it's it's obvious, like, when you're sort of cliche, you, I forget how you described it when you said hearing them for the first time as the first yeah. band, but it's like, it's interesting how context changes an artist over time. Like, Elton John at this point is obviously a very different artist than he would have been in 1974 to people. And same with the Ramones. Like, you know, I could only imagine what it was like hearing the Ramones where there's no reference points to it. Like I heard the Ramones after hearing Nirvana. So for me, it's, it it, it was very different. Like I heard Sex Pistols before that, but like, even then I'd probably heard Motorhead before that or something to prepare me. Right. So it's just, it's amazing how the context changes over time.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. I think the context has everything to do with it, you know, and, and, um, at any point and,
0: and, uh,
1: um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was mind-blowing to me. Um and I, yeah. and I went to a few concerts. And I didn't go to a punk show until till later. I think the second concert I ever saw was Kiss at Anaheim Stadium. Oh. I was another th- I was a big Kiss fan, right? Yeah. And uh um and then I saw Black Sabbath and Van Halen at fucking Anaheim Stadium. <laughs> that was like fucking it was check out this lineup. It was Black Sa- it was Boston, Black Sabbath, Van Halen and Sammy Hager. At Anaheim stadium and even better before <laughs> Van Halen fucking parachuted out of a plane <laughs> over fucking Anaheim stadium. It was like some, some dude comes on over the PA and he's like, look in the sky. And there's like a plane flying over Anaheim stadium. And you just see these four parachutes come down and then like Van Halen running on stage, like throwing off the fucking parachutes. It was just, I had no idea if it really happened, yeah. you know, but in my mind, I would like to think that it did. They, yeah, they fucking parachuted out
0: of a plane. Diamond Cave's like, we got to put on the shoots, boys. It's Dude, that is how
1: insane these guys are. They fucking parachute. Yeah, so, it
0: was ridiculous. What was the bill? Like, was, was the, probably Van Halen headlining, I assume, right? Like, what was the order? No, Bo- Boston, Boston was headlining. Oh, my God. How could you yeah. go on after that? Like, I...
1: Boston well, because they were, popular. it was like, it was yeah. like Van Halen first record. Yeah. And, and Black Sabbath was like, totally like done. It was like, never say die record and mm-hmm. just bloated drug mm-hmm. excess era of of fucking Black <laughs> Sabbath. And then Boston was like the big radio band and you know, yeah. nobody gave a fuck about Boston.
0: But, uh, yeah. yeah so I guess that would I, be one of those examples of where you like take a band on tour and you're like, Oh, this new young band, Van Halen. How? How rough could it be? And then you're like oh, halfway yeah. through the tour, you're like, oh shit. We fucked
1: up. Yeah. Because yeah. they were just destroying <laughs> shit. But and and I remember Van Halen would would always play with like punk bands and stuff um in LA, man. I would look through the strip ads and in like uh the LA Times and you know, it was like Van Halen with the mumps or Van Halen with, you know, like whatever they'd have these punk bands opening for them. I guess at the time they were considered um, they were like almost punk because there was no reference point for Van Halen, right? Mm-hmm. The shit they were doing was like, there was no metal even, you know what I mean? It was like, yeah. they were, they were coming out of like, you know, their peers were like, what, Foghat or whatever the fuck, you know? And, and <laughs> <Yeah>. So <laughs> what they were doing was like, what? You know, it was insane.
0: How good like was the, that story in the Keith book with Diamond Dave? Not to reveal it for people that haven't read it, but oh my gosh. How great, on? right? Oh <laughs> <Yeah>. my god. <laughs>
1: I I mean, I, you know, Keith's older than me, but I think that's one of the things I really love about that book is, is like, he just goes into, you know, detail about all of his like influences and, Mm -hmm. you know, unashamedly. And, and it's like, Oh yeah, I can relate to a lot of that because, you know, before punk, man, I mean, that's what you had, you know, and, and, uh, um, I was in a lot of that stuff too. And, and. I think there was a, you know, a big period in my life where like, you know, you weren't allowed to like any of that shit. If you were punk, you know, fuck Led Zeppelin, you
0: know, you you weren't supposed to even talk about that stuff. Um, Yeah, it's almost like there's this like pre-codification and then post-codification of what punk was. And then then it was like, okay, this stuff doesn't fit in.
1: (laughs) Yes. Yeah. I mean, I think nowadays
0: anything goes, right? It's kind of back that you're right. It's back that way now.
1: Yeah, you can like what you like, you know, and, and, and it's, it's all good. It wasn't like that then. The lines were very firmly drawn, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, but the first punk show I ever
0: saw, did you ask me that? Well, no, you, whatever. I'm, I'm stoked to talk about every rock show you saw (laughs) up until this point too, Brad. But if you want to get to the punk show, absolutely. I'm sorry. You can edit
1: all this rock stuff out of you want. No, it's, it's, no, uh... believe
0: no. That's what I'm saying. Like <laughs> I am, I was not being sarcastic or glib with when I said that. I really do enjoy talking about this era of, cause I think the thing is all what? the bands you're seeing, you're seeing like obviously Sabbath towards the end, but like these are like in the cut big shows for all these artists where they're kind of like, like that's a, a kind of kiss towards like a peak period, you know, and like,
1: Oh dude, I, you know, and at the time I was, I was so, you know, I I was so little, I didn't realize it was like the, you know, the fucking end of the line for black Sabbath Mm -hmm. or, or, you know, the value of, of kiss in 1976 until, you know, I got older and I just recently, uh, um, YouTubed that kiss show. You can like see it on, on, uh, you can find it on YouTube now. It's like kiss Anaheim stadium, destroyer tour 76. <clears throat> and, uh, you know, I mean, it was like a friggin', you know, firework show and just all this insanity. <laughs> but like looking back on it, they had no, they didn't even have their stage banner or wrap down. It was like play a song and then end. And then Paul Stanley's like, well, wow, it's great to be here. You know, like <laughs> just kind of awkward about it, you know, and, and they were just making that leap, I think, from like clubs to, being this like arena band and and uh it's endearing. It's like, oh, they didn't even know what the fuck they were doing. That's so awesome. Yeah. But I've run into some some people, particularly my Scandinavian KISS fan friends like Inge from Against Me, um, or A Bath from from Immortal, uh recently who when we were talking about like, you know, the first shows we ever saw, and I mentioned like KISS show to him, they're like, you know their eyes widening. Like, what? That's a legendary Kiss show for the Kiss fans, the Kiss Army. And I'm like, oh my god, I was there. I didn't even know it was
0: legendary. <laughs> so, well, um, that's anyways. like the same with that Van Halen show. I imagine that must be legendary. Van Halen on the first show. Uh, in, oh uh, yeah, Almont in L.A. too. Yeah. So like yeah. You're seeing like so I'm I, like I'm fascinated about seeing like you know you're in the cut top period of Stadium Rock, and then you know you transition <laughs> to the next uh period of punk, right? Like Absolutely. So um, where'd you gotta go from hearing that Sex Pistols on Rodney and the Rock? Uh,
1: then I think uh um I started religiously listening to Rodney, mm-hmm. you know, every Sunday and uh, you know, he would play you know, I remember hearing the Dead Boys and and uh um you know the germs and just like a lot of the local stuff that was going on too and he would always like, you know, read the uh you know, he would do like plugs for, you know, the mask and the whiskey. And, and of course I wasn't going to any of these shows, you know, I was a little kid and, and my parents wouldn't let me, they would take me to these big arena concerts because they, you know, my dad would drive me and my friends, but there was no way they were going to let me like go as a little kid to like, you know, I don't know the whiskey or whatever, <laughs> yeah. you know, or the fucking mask, you know? And, yeah. and uh, um uh but I would listen to these things and I was just like fascinated by it. You know, it was like, um, like, what is this, this stuff about? And and then at some
0: point, um, were you seeing these punk people on the streets too at that time? Sorry, not to cut you off. Or
1: n- no, around I, I grew up in Huntington Beach, and yeah. and around and you know at the school I went to, um, you know there were no punks here yet. Uh, I yeah. think some some band played like the the lunchtime talent show. I remember. <clears throat> and they were doing like Sex Pistols covers, and these dudes had like long hair and they, they looked like fucking surfers. <laughs> yeah. And I remember going, that's fucking Sex Pistols. I know because I heard it on Rodney, you know. And so there was that, you know, there were yep. people that were getting into it, but nobody made the leap into like looking insane yet, you know. Yeah, and, yeah. and, uh,
0: well, I guess it hit, um, it hit the beach towns later on too, right? Like, well, I guess we'll get into this in a second. But.
1: It, yeah. I mean, we were only, you know, 45 minutes from Hollywood, but mm-hmm. it might as well have been like the fucking deep, dark south. You know, <laughs> it was like, cue the banjo music now <laughs> because it was like, you know, we'll, we'll get into that more later too. Yeah, and, yeah. And, uh, Um, But where I made the transition into to seeing punk bands was, Um, at some point, these, these, uh, uh, this crew of brothers moved down here and started going to, um, the elementary school I went to. Three brothers and, uh, their roommate, it was three brothers, a mom, and then they had a roommate. And the roommate was this guy who was, uh, Van Halen Roadie. And he also, (laughs) he also worked the door at the Whiskey and Go Go, right? Wow. Yeah. And he would, uh, he would, when he would do shows up there, when he would work, he'd be like, Hey, if you guys want to come, you know, he had a van and we'd all pile into his van. It's like Van Halen on the side of the van. Oh my God. And and I didn't see actually, I didn't see Van Halen, I think until, um, until after this, this predates that. Um, because at the time that was the first time I heard of Van Halen was with these brothers. They were like, yeah, they moved down here from Pasadena and they were like, ah, oh, man, this band, Van Halen, we see him at parties and we're buddies with them and this and that. And I was like, bullshit. Come on. <laughs> you know, they were like the most unbelievable guitar insanity. And we were nerds, you know, we were rock nerds. And, yeah. And, and, and that's what, you know, drew me to these guys. And, and, uh, um, and then I ended up seeing, you know, Van Halen down the road and, and it was like, oh God, you guys are right. But in, in the meantime, um, uh, Danny was this guy's name. He would drive us all up to the whiskey and, and this crew of like, you know, prepubescent boys going to the whiskey go-go. And, and I, I finally allowed my, my parents, you know, <laughs> my parents finally allowed me to do that. I talked yeah. to him into it and, and he took us to the whiskey. And I think that the first punk band that I saw was, um, maybe the weirdos. Oh, maybe it was the weirdos. Um, and this must have been in like 78 or something. And, and, uh, and I had never even heard of them. Um, and I was just blown away, man. They were, you know, the singer, John Denny looked like a fucking mental patient, you know, and <laughs> they were like insane. And I, I'd, you know, I remember seeing the suicide commandos. Um, I saw, I ended up seeing the Ramones, uh, on Christmas night of like 79, maybe it was, but, and, and I still had long hair, you know, me and my friends were still like rockers, you know, we hadn't made the leap into like, that was the defining point. Once you cut your hair, there was no turning back, you know? Yeah. Uh, and, you know, I was going to all these shows and, and it was like, you know, my mind was being blown by this stuff and, and, um, uh, and, and that, that's, that was my first, um, uh, foray and I guess into that, um, uh, type of, uh, music and seeing it live, you know, and, and, and then of course all the other weird bands, you know, the one-off bands, Shock or, or, you know, um, like weird You saw bands Shock?
0: That, I saw Shock. (laughs) That's like Generations on Vacation. That's fucking awesome. Like, did you ever see, uh, like, we could play this game forever, but, like, the Chiefs and stuff and and all those bands?
1: You know, I did not see the Chiefs. You know, it was real hit and miss for me because I was, like, you know, a little kid, so, you know, I I just took what I could get. Yeah, absolutely. uh, It's weird. My memories of of my very first shows are really vivid, and then it's, like, a blur for a lot of years. (laughs) But those early shows, it's like, yeah, who the fuck remembers Shock? But yeah. I remember being a, you know, when you're a kid, you want to know every the name of every band that's playing, you know, and and oh, this is them, and I would watch every song, you know, like sit there and watch the first to the last song, and and uh, you know, now my attention span is garbage, but back then, you know, <laughs> it was like when it's new, to, right? Yeah, attention to detail, man, and it's the details, you know, that matter.
0: Well, it's funny you bring up the shock because I would say, like, of all the, like, you know, the more obscure, you know, one or two single bands, they've got to be one of the catchiest bands of all time. So it's, it's, it's great that they would stand out to you as, like, at a, such a young age.
1: And the Suicide Commandos,
0: too. Yeah. The Suicide true. Commandos were, are fucking great, you yeah. know. And, and, um, I Which remember thinking, funny cause they, they, they were like, they're so early to be touring. Like, they don't really get, they don't get the credit they deserve as being, like, one of the first punk bands to really go on the road.
1: They don't get any love, man. They were from, where, like, Minneapolis or something? Yeah. And,
0: yeah, and, uh, yeah they, they
1: got no love, you know. But uh, going back and listening to that shit, I think it, it stands just the test of time as well, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. There are certainly a, enough bands jocking that sound nowadays,
0: you know, and, and they were great, man. They were really yeah. good. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's like – so I guess kind of like at this point, are you – you know, you said you hadn't crossed the line yet. So are you just kind of like buying records, listening to Rodney, kind of going the odd show? At what point do you kind of cross the line, as you put it? <laughs> well, funny you should
1: ask. Uh, the, I guess the the defining, you know, that, the, that was how I, I started hearing and seeing these type of bands. And I guess when I got initiated into being an official punk rocker was Uh, also at some point, um, uh, Mark and Tony Alva, the skateboarders. Mm -hmm. Are you familiar with those guys? Absolutely. (laughs)
0: Kind of legendary dudes.
1: Yeah. Well, their dad lived across the street from, from where I grew up. Uh. And, and so Mark's Mark moved down here and Tony kind of lived down here. I think he lived back and forth between, you know, um, down here and wherever. And, uh, and I started hanging out with those guys and uh um so i met them through my friend Potato Head, who's uh for a reference point he's the kid on the cover of the circle jerks album wearing the public image shirt right <laughs> he's like this like the iconic there should be a button of just him, the iconic kid wearing
0: the bald headed with the public image shirt. They will definitely and, now, lost and found bootlegs or so, or night owls. Someone's going to do a pin of that guy. Someone's got it.
1: Right. And, and me and Potato went to grade school together, and he's still, you know, one of my best friends to this day. And and so I met all those guys through him. And, you know, we would have, uh, you know, Mark's dad, Mark Alva's dad would go to work at, you know, he wore graveyards. He would go to work at like nine o'clock at night. So, at nine 15, you know, the, the fucking crew would just descend <laughs> upon the house and it would just be an insane, you know, punk drinking party until fucking four in the morning. <laughs> and, you know, I'd met all these guys and I was, I was in the punk, but I still had long hair. So I wasn't like, you know, like in the fucking club yet. And, uh, I started hanging out with all these guys and I'm like, wow, these guys are so much more fun than my stoner rocker friends who are just fucking boring burnouts, you know, at like <clears throat> 13, 14, you know? And, and, uh, so I started h- hanging out with these guys and, and, um, I remember, uh, uh, you know I mean? Just the craziest shit. I mean, I I can't even explain it. You know, um, the shit that was funny and the things that happened were just like, you know, so like, outside the box and and at some point mark dyed my long hair like just fucking day blue right like some like <laughs> drunken like two in the morning we're fucking dying your hair man and out comes the manic panic and and my hair was like shoulder length like robert plant fucking hair and the next day it was bright blue and at this point in time you could not walk the streets of fucking Huntington beach. If you had like just short blonde hair and a fucking trench coat and peg pants and high tops, you know, you were open to people wanting to fucking murder you. So walking down the street with bright blue, long hair was like, you know, I, I remember walking into the next day, walking into the grocery store, <laughs> uh the Ralph's grocery store by my house, no hat on or anything. Just like I got blue hair. Isn't it cool? And like, it seemed like every head in the store turned and looked at me. And the one thing they all had in common was everybody fucking hated it. It was just like <laughs> s- scorn, you know, it wasn't like, it wasn't like, Oh, that's so cool. And arty and fucking great. It was just like, what the fuck are you? I think even worse than having short blue hair, you know? And, uh, and people just wanted to kill me, man. They just fucking wanted to murder me. And I couldn't walk down the street without having people fucking yell shit or throw shit, and and so then maybe you know like a month later, were they yelling uh, Devo?
0: Because that's what I, you always hear. They would in yell
1: books. They would yell yes. Devo was that that there that is true. That yeah. That you know that uh, urban myth of, be- yeah. of people yelling Devo. That was like you know the reference point for fucking morons who had no idea of what was really going on. It was like fucking Devo and they would yeah. yell that at you or they would yell faggot or they would throw I remember getting hit with a burrito once like a fucking somebody threw a fucking burrito out their window oh, you nice. know from Taco Bell like boom upside the head <laughs> and I was like alright that's cool a burrito you know but um, uh, uh, you know then a month later I think you know Mark cut my hair off and, and we dyed it like pink
0: you did and, a month uh, and, with
1: long blue hair I did a month with long blue hair, man. It was a hard month.
0: It was a I real bet. hard month.
1: Cause yeah. it seems like, you, and, probably,
0: uh, you know, if the stereotypes would be true. Like I imagine you were taking shit from punk kids too, for having long hair. Is that not really the case?
1: No, you know, at, at, at about this time I started going up to LA to shows with, um, with those guys and, and they started initiating me into the, into that scene. And, and, mm-hmm. um, you know, I was seeing bands like, uh, you know, everybody that was around at the time and, and, uh, Um, there was this house in in Hollywood, um, where kind of people would hang out and and party called the Oxford house. I would go there with these guys and, you know, that's where I met Pat Smear and, and, you know, Keith Morris and and a bunch of other people. And and I still had long hair and, and they were like, um, you know, this was like the underground of the fucking, you know, Hollywood punk scene. Twisted Roots, and, and you know, mm-hmm. um, and these people were really accepting of me, you know. Mm-hmm. I had no idea. Maybe they were taking the piss, you know, but everybody seemed really welcoming, and I was going to these, you know, punk parties, and and uh, these fuckers were hardcore. That was the first time I remember seeing a dude with a shaved, bald head, uh, Ray Gange from Rude Boy, with a shaved, bald head with a fucking bandana around it, and I was like, oh my God, that guy is a fucking murderer. That is the craziest thing <laughs> I've ever seen in my life. I was scared shitless that he, that I was going to be murdered by this guy. You know, so that, People didn't shave their heads bald. That is fucking insane. And, uh, and, and stuff like that. Right. And I and here I had this like long blue hair, but you know, well, I guess that another-
0: scene, well, I guess that scene also like, you know, once again, this is just according to the narrative, but there's a, like the sort of thing where you have the, uh, that scene was a very open-minded scene. And it was pretty like sort of the Jack Grisham of grabbing people and shaving their heads in the back of a van type thing.
1: Yeah, I mean, it was, it was really, you know, welcoming and, and, the, and, it, you know, it, that's the Hollywood scene was totally different than the scene at the beach, you know? And yeah. And, and, um, uh, it's, it's funny. Jack actually writes a really good chapter about it in, in the John Doe book. Have you read the John Doe book? There's I, like,
0: yeah, I'm halfway through wrote, it right now
1: okay i won't spoil it for you then uh jack's um chapter i think really hits the nail on the head man of of the way it was down here at the beach yeah who was totally different than the way it was in in hollywood where you could kind of do what you want man and and you know nobody tripped you know and and uh you know, people were accepting of, of, you know, you could be as weird as you wanted and it was fucking cool. You know, even in broad daylight, you know, you couldn't get away with that. This was like, you know, Macon County, fucking Huntington beach, you know, you couldn't walk the streets looking like that. People would just want to fucking murder you, you know, at school or, you know, so, um, you know, people, yeah, you did have to travel in groups because everybody hated you. You know, the only people that you could relate to were, other punks you know but like you know the jocks wanted to kill you the rockers wanted to kill you you know the the gangbangers everybody just wanted to
0: kill you you know because you had this friend that was working with uh with um van halen this like older friend at that point did you still hang out with these guys or but at this point did you kind of just transition to the like the sort of skate punk friends that you were making across it, the street
1: exactly yeah at this at, at that point it was like full on into, you know, hanging out with the skaters and the skate punks and, and the L.A. punk scene. You know, it was like, oh, man, this is for me. These people, are, these people are funny. They're insane. They're creative. It's madness. And, yeah. and I was all I was all about it. You know, it was like this is the best shit I've ever seen. You know, were you skateboarding um, at
0: the time and surfing or, or were you into that stuff? Uh, you know i was uh, i didn't surf i tried it a
1: few times i wasn't very good at it um Mm -hmm. uh so i didn't keep up on it i skated but not like pools or anything you know just like sidewalk skating you know and and uh i wasn't i was nowhere in any you know i I was like the friend of the guys that were really good at skateboarding (laughs) you know yep (laughs) but what i I did i i played guitar though like my one talent i guess was that i was a guitar player and and uh my first punk band that I was ever in ever in, I wound up being in with Mark Alva. <clears throat> and, uh, and, and I guess that was, you know, another in into that scene was, uh, um, you know, it was pretty good for my age. You know, I grew up playing like black, you know, playing along the black Sabbath and whatever. Mm-hmm. And, uh, um, you know, Mark had this band called the Ozzy hairs and it was Mark and, and, uh, Hamil who wound up in black flag, drumming for black flag for a while. And, um, uh, and my friend lane on bass and their guitar player was margo from the gogos and uh
0: wow they, did that band record
1: or anything they didn't man they never they never recorded they were called the Ozzy hairs and and they were like the germs right and and just it was yeah. like fucking hardcore it was great stuff and, and oh that's uh,
0: awesome what a lineup
1: and, yeah and they needed a guitar player and they're like all right you know you play guitar you know mike was like mark was like you know you want to play and learn the songs and then boom. And, 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 uh, and so that was my talent. I couldn't skate. I couldn't surf, you know, but, uh, well,
0: as you said earlier, being a rock nerd pays off.
1: That's right. Yeah. Um, uh, <laughs> I think my first show with them was, was at the whiskey and go opening for um, castration squad in and UXA. And, and I was f- fucking scared <laughs> shitless. I had never been on stage before and actually you know who the other guitar player in the band was uh Dez from Black Flag for a while we were five piece oh awesome so it was Dez on it was Dez on guitar me on guitar Emil on drums Lane on bass Mark on vocals wow that is um, and a, maybe it, oh. may, yeah maybe i maybe we had done a show before that but i don't remember um i think that was the first show and and so i was scared shitless and started drinking at probably five in the afternoon, and then at some point, um, somebody handed me and Mark a big bag of mushrooms <laughs> and so we took probably a fucking quarter ounce of mushrooms each. I remember Dez took a bunch of acid, and we go on stage on the whiskey, and I'm like hammered and on fucking mushrooms and I just fucking and I just fucking ran out of the whiskey. And like hid behind licorice pizza, you know, <laughs> at a fucking dumpster behind, left all my equipment on stage, which was, I later got relieved of somebody fucking took, stole my guitar, stole my app, just fucking walked off of it. And, uh, cause I freaked out on mushrooms, man, you know? And, oh and my uh, god! yeah. Once I got behind licorice pizza, there used to be a licorice pizza record store across the street from the whiskey. And once I got there and, and, you know, fucking hanging out at a dumpster and was able to calm down and get out of the insanity of being at a nightclub on mushrooms <laughs> and shit was fine. You know what I mean? Had a nightclub on mushrooms with like 500 people staring at you because you're on stage. It was like, no bueno. And that was Not the first out. time
0: ever playing a show too, right?
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the first time we were playing a show. Yeah. Oh, that's but, a bad uh, trip. It, that is a bad trip. And, and then we did a bunch of shows after that and it was really fun, man. and really cool. And we, and we used to, um, rehearse at sst sst was on santa monica boulevard at the time and and uh because dez was in the band we rehearsed like on all black flags gear you know black flag lived in like sst at the time and and uh um you know you'd go over there and there'd be like fucking stacks of Minutemen records and you know stacks yeah. of damaged and all the shit and 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 they were like sleeping literally like sleeping between the fucking piles of records and under desk you know just like all that shit rollins talks about it you know, it was all true. They lived there, they rehearsed there, you know, and, and they ran SST out of there. And and so we would use their gear and, and I think that's how Emil ended up, you know, in Black Flag. And um Emil was a great drummer, you know. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and uh um uh so yeah, we would rehearse on their gear and I'd get to watch like Black Flag rehearse and stuff, and and uh it was fucking amazing. They were like the shit. Black Flag was like A fucking bullet to the head, man. You know, they were unbelievable.
0: It's Alec Mackay was on the show two weeks ago, and he was saying how – or a few weeks ago, I guess, by the time this airs, but a few weeks ago. And he was saying that at one point him and Ian went on this road trip. And like, uh, like of main punk pilgrimage type points all around America. And they stopped at SST and that was like a place to go. Was it like every, did every band just kind of come through there? Or were you just seeing like all these, every kind of big punk band kind of coming through and stopping by there when you're hanging out there or?
1: Yeah, but at the time they weren't like, you know, none of these people were legendary. Yeah, so of course. Half, yeah. The, half the time I wouldn't even know who, you know, people were. It's just like, ah, you know, some band is here and, and, uh, you know, fucking whatever. Some people are hanging out and, yeah. and uh, you yeah. know, we wouldn't be introduced to anybody. It was just like, Hey, you know, what are you doing? You know? And, and, uh, um, but yeah, that was like the headquarters, man. And, and, um, you know, they were starting, SST was starting to release all that stuff by like, you know, Sonic Youth and who's going to do and, and, uh, you know, all those early 80s. Uh, I remember getting a free punchline, you know, Minutemen punchline record from him and, and uh, which I just thought was amazing.
0: It's like, fuck, these songs are like a minute long. This is fucking great. <laughs> so, so and I guess at this, like, was there ever like a, a thought to try and record or do anything more? Or is it just like a fun project? Um, type? I guess you're yeah, young still. I mean, still.
1: you know, we were young kids and I, and I think um, it, at that time, uh, bear with me for a minute and some water. No problem. Um, there was like no ambition, you know, to, to do any, you know, it's like you weren't going to make it yeah. as a punk rocker, you know, and, and, uh, you weren't going to, you know, this was like pre, um, warrior fucking touring days, you know, um, you know, like black flag was, was literally just, you know, setting out to, to fucking cut that path, you know, and, and, uh, um, and so there was an, it's like, what are you going to do with this? You know? And, and mm-hmm. it, it, there wasn't, it, it wasn't like there was, you know, anything was going to come of being in a punk band. It was just something that we did because it was fun and we liked doing it. You know, we get free beer and, um, so we just kind of disintegrated it. We didn't, uh, you know, there was no, this is our last show or we're, you know, I think a Mill joined Black Flag. That's what happened. Mill joined Black Flag and went on tour with them. And then we just kind of never rehearsed again, and you know he was in—I think you know—flagged for like a year or something, maybe. Um, and so he disappeared, and everybody just went off, and, and we did different things. And and um, uh, stop me if I'm talking too much or, Dude, or too fast here.
0: No, you're, you're you're this is awesome. This is like I it, knew this was going to be incredible, Brad. When I <laughs> sat sat down, well, even before I knew a couple weeks ago about the exploding fuck dolls thing, I knew it was going to be fucking cool. But, but my God, this is even better than I thought.
1: It's funny, I never, I never talk about this stuff, you know, it's because like, you know, I don't know, I guess I don't want to date myself, one, and two, nobody ever asked me about this shit. So I don't ever volunteer it. Right. You know, but at at that point, I think I went on to join this band called Harry Carey, who were from San Pedro and uh, Harry Carey, I think had a song on, on a comp. I was going to say they they definitely
0: recorded. Right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. They definitely recorded and, and I didn't join till after they had recorded, but they were like, um, an early, you know, they were like a proto peace punk band and, you know, fucking logos with like nuclear fucking <laughs> fallout, you know, nuclear mushroom cloud and peace <laughs> signs and shit like that. Right. And, and, uh, um, uh, a friend of mine, you know, was like, ah, oh, this band, Harry Carey from San Pedro needs a guitar player. And they were all into like, you know, fucking leather jackets and leather pants and studs and spikes and bristles. And, and I was like a fucking guy from HB, man. You know, I had like, you know, fucking button down fucking thrift store shirt, you know, some fucking old man, pegged old man pants, fucking high tops, you know, bleach blonde hair. Um, and I went and tried out for them and, and they liked me, you know, and, and uh, um, they were female fronted and I, I just thought they were really good. man. their stuff was great and uh and they were like cool we're leaving on tour in like 2 weeks you know we're going on tour and we're playing with you know the the band the misfits and and uh um and I had heard of the misfits but I'd never heard them yeah and this this was probably like 83 or 84 i was still in high school and uh I, I remember i had to take like 2 weeks off of high school to to go on this tour you know and uh so
0: did you play with where would you guys play with the misfits
1: we played, we did like two weeks with the shows. Two of the shows were in, in Texas with the Misfits. Um, and this was probably Walk Among Us era. I in know, it was Walk Among Us era. Yeah, it was in Austin and Dallas.
0: I think I've seen and, photos uh, from that Austin show before.
1: Maybe. It was Austin. I think it might have been New Year's Eve. Um, it was us, the big boys, the Misfits. And maybe fucking um, N.O.T.A. or something. Oh my
0: god, what a lineup!
1: It was <laughs> it was pretty fucking. I was already a Big Boys fan. I'd already seen the Big Boys out here a bunch of times. The Big Wait, Boys were the shit, dude. Absolutely, the Big Boys, they were so fun, man. Their shows were just like fucking anarchy. It was total chaos, but everybody having fun. You know what I mean? And uh, um, love the Big Boys.
0: And also, so, N.O.T.A. is the band that Fucked Up is named after. Oh, really? Yeah, they're the song Fucked Up, it? and that's where uh, Mike took it from.
1: <laughs> I did not know that. Yeah. Yeah, we played, we played with them in Arizona on the way out to Texas. We played with N.O.T.A. in Arizona.
0: Who else played Arizona? Was it like the theaters <sighs> or any of those bands, or?
1: I can't remember. I okay. remember N.O.T.A. I remember watching them and hanging out with those guys. That's awesome. And then, uh, um and then everything became a blur, you know? <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> I was really into drinking at that point, you know? And, yeah, and, yeah. Uh, uh, we played in Oklahoma with Husker Du at this bar, The Crystal Pistol, that had like a fucking fence around this, not like chicken wire, but like a little like, you know, like, Waist high, like fence around the fucking stage. It was like, what the fuck is this? To protect and, your and shins played, from bottles. <laughs> yeah, and we played with Husker Du, and and they were just starting to do like their poppy stuff, and and um, um, and that was a lot of fun, and, and to hang out with those guys. And then we played. Um, where else did we play? Uh, we played a pizza parlor in um San Antonio with the Butthole Surfers. Oh my, that was fun. This was all on that same tour. What a again, tour. I have, I have really vivid memories of this stuff because it was so early on. Yeah. And, um, you know, as a pizza parlor, there was probably fucking 30 people there and the butthole servers were just like, you know, it was mind blowing. You know, they all had short hair. They were all still punks, you know, but they were doing this like weird sort of like, you know, discordant public image type of shit. That was really cool, man. And, and uh, and then yeah we did those two shows at the Misfits and we we actually stayed at the same house um us and the Misfits stayed at the same house together uh with was the Kerr? Te- no oh, okay. it was although we did go to Tim Kerr's he had like a d- daytime party um before that show we went to his house and drank beers and hung out but uh um now the promoter whoever the guy was that did, did the Dallas show because the singer Harry Caring and who was friends with all those guys, all those misfits guys, and, mm-hmm. and um, um, that was the connection. And so we stayed at the same house with them, and, and they were fucking great guys. Robo was playing drums for them, you know. Now, it wasn't. It must have been Earth A D era. That's okay. what it was. Yeah, oh, Robo was playing drums. Yeah. And uh, what a tour though! They, you
0: got to play with like you know what? A, and I guess it speaks to like the diversity of punk and what was called punk at that point. Still, like yeah. All these different bands that all sound radically different and they're all like fitting together still.
1: I, I, you know, that, that's one thing I, I really, you know, I don't get nostalgic very much, but that's, that's one thing I really, uh, um, loved about the scene at that, at that time. You know, but the, the, you're right. The diversity of the scene, you know, was like, there was so little to choose from then, man, that, 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 you know, if you wanted to be a part of it, no matter what kind of, you know, stuff you were playing, it was like, you know, the fact that you wanted to be a part of it and we willing to take your stuff out. And there would be these bills of, yeah, like five bands, that nothing like each other yet. We're all unified under that, you know, blanket of like new music and you know, punk. And, and, uh, it was really cool, man. I, <clears throat> I uh, I, you know, that's what I love about those festivals that, you know, that, that we play in, you know, like the one Riot Fest and stuff. Mm-hmm. And, and what I came to love about the European festivals is it was, it was just like, oh man, you can see like all the stuff that you wouldn't normally be exposed to, you know, because it was all thrown in there. And,
0: and um, yeah, I guess that's the only what difference I've, is there's not necessarily that same level of camaraderie that I guess not had, at all. You no, you're <laughs> right. You're right. Yeah. Cause we were, I remember
1: hanging out with the, the butthole surfers yeah. and they were the fucking, you know, uh Gibby was wearing he had this uh, and I'll remember this he had a sham 69 like homemade jacket that had written sham 69 on the back of and he was fucking hilarious man they were all like hilarious dudes and and uh you know it was super fun man and and um uh we went to an in-store with the misfits they did like an in-store at, in Texas and they're like come on you guys can come along and it was middle of the day in Texas and they were wearing like long black leather trench coats. They were like the most intimidating motherfuckers, man, you know, but so nice, you know, super nice. Yeah. And, uh, um, and, and by the time I got to Texas, I was like, you know, a dyed in the wool fucking Misfits fan because we were listening to him the whole way. and I was like, oh, my God, this is the best shit ever, you know. <laughs> Yeah, one of the um, ongoing the
0: things sh- we have on this show is that the misfits are simultaneously the greatest punk band of all time and not at all a punk band all at once. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, there was a bunch of shit that was weird about them too. It was like, you know, um uh you know, they they would uh I remember Glenn and and Robo drove their van full of like their merch and gear and, and then uh <laughs> Jerry and Doyle flew. I think because they worked, you know, they had a job yeah, and yeah. and uh But, um, you know, it's not like there was maybe, you know, 500 people tops at these shows, you know what I mean? And these, these are like huge shows for the time. It's like New Year's Eve in the middle of Austin, you know, fucking 500 people showed up. It was insane, you know, and and it didn't get any bigger, you know, and, and, uh, um, except maybe in LA, you know, but, uh, um, uh, yeah, they, they were like really, I, I think, you know, the fucking forefathers of like, they printed all their own merch, you know, and, and, you know, hand screened everything and just really had like that aspect of their whole deal like together. And, and, you know, they were, in, they were doing it because they were into it, man. They were into making these, you know, we got a bunch of shirts from like horror business and, you know, the fucking fiend club and, and, you know, Glenn was really into like the aesthetic man and just making cool shit, you know, it wasn't like, um, I I don't know if, if they had any, you know, um, visions of it going anywhere, but you know, you couldn't, you couldn't fucking go anywhere playing that type of stuff back then, you know, but, uh, um, they, uh, and they toured, man, they toured fucking constantly. Um, so it was really cool to see. Uh, and yeah, And uh, um, then after that, I think, you know, again, Harry Carey, nobody broke up back then or anybody that I was involved with. We just kind of like, you know, we just wouldn't call each other anymore. And there was never, you know, like any animosity or anything. It's like, oh, no. And then I started hanging out over here and, you know, just got distracted by this bouncing rubber bread ball, (laughs) you
0: know? Yeah, exactly. So uh, what was the next rubber ball that you got distracted by? So you get back from that tour, it kind of ends and then…
1: Now that's where things start to get blurry. Um, what did happen after, uh, that? I think, um, I ended up, uh, playing in a few, you know, bands around town. Oh, I ended up playing with Rick L. Rick for a long time. You know who that guy is? Yeah. Yeah.
0: From F word. Wow. That's all. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. I've got the, I've got the F word live LP. Negative that's the trend. First Record I yeah. bought on eBay. Yeah. Of course. Like that's a legend, legend.
1: I ended up playing in his band for a long time. What, what was, he, think was
0: he recording at that point? Or what was he doing, like music-wise? Is that like was that like? It's definitely pre-like. Uh, he,
1: he, it was already for him. It was already pe- post Beach Boulevard. It was post Negative Trend. But it's before um, the, it he did
0: a up. comeback in the late '80s, right? Where they did like he like did records again.
1: Right. It was before that. Okay. Yeah, this was probably um, uh, mid '80s. You know, 80s. Um 86, 87 it you know, something like that, I wanna say. Was he touring um, at that point or what were you guys doing, like just locally or? No, nah, nobody <laughs> nobody was really touring, man. That yeah. was that was yep. you know, a weird time and and there were a few there was like Black Flag and there was Husker Du, and there's Misfits and, and uh Corrosion and Conformity, um uh some of the you know, AF, you know, there were there were bands that were touring just few and far between. It wasn't like it is, you know, like it came to be in the nineties and, and uh, um, so, you know, like nobody even, you know, how do you even do that, man? You call people on a, you know, there was, <laughs> there was no computers. There was, no, you know, you call people on a phone and then you fucking, you know, um, and that's how that tour we did to Texas was, it was like, you know, a fucking clipboard with some fucking numbers written on it and hoping that people were going to be there when you showed up. Because if they weren't, you were fucked, you yeah. know, and, 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 uh, um, uh, so now we played, we played a bunch, we were playing locally, you know, we played everywhere around here and, and, um, uh, I played bass for him for a little while. I played guitar for him for a little while and, and, um, he was great. He was one of my best friends, man. He was a really, uh, um, he was a really unique guy. He mm. was fucking, you know, highly, highly, um, you know uh intelligent and you know just a brilliant guy man great sense of humor you know his house was another place that became uh his house in Covina was another place that became sort of a uh you know a gathering point for all sorts of fucking creeps and weirdos you know and and drinking parties that that lasted you know well into the you know to fucking daybreak and and um uh I played with him for a bunch of years and, and, and then a bunch of, you know, bands were around town that, that, um, uh, you know, didn't really do anything, didn't make any records and stuff. And then I kind of faded off into being a full-time sort of like drug addict, um, alcoholic drug addict guy for a lot of years. <clears> the <throat> that's how I spent like the late eighties to early nineties, you know, um, you know, totally strung out and, and, uh, not really going to, uh, shows very much. Um, um, you know, that whole, like, you know, that, that was like, you know, kind of a punk thing, like, ah, fucking hard drugs, man, you know, and, and, uh, um, not knowing that it had been around for fucking thousands of years, you know, Mm -hmm. doing the same thing to to musicians for, you know, jazz guys. And, you know, uh, but I would occasionally pop my head up and go like, um, you know, in the late 80s, I would go see, uh, um, I got really into like Slayer, you know, and, mm-hmm. and, um, I would go see Bad Religion, Bad Religion, who were, um, kind of, I think the rebirth of, uh, you know, punk, man, really. By the late 80s, it was, <clears throat> uh, at least in California, it wasn't the fucking cool thing, man, you know, and, and, uh. Well, yeah, you like you were
0: people- talking about how the difficulty touring with Rick L. Rick, um, that era of playing, but like, yeah, like I guess that scene that we were talking about earlier kind of dries up. Like a lot of those bands go on to become bigger or break up or it just seems like it changes and dies out for a while.
1: Right. They either became sort of mainstream, you know, and, you know, MTV, 120 minutes type mainstream. Yeah. Or, um, or went into like bad versions of metal, you know and and uh um some of these bands did good versions of metal but most of them did pretty bad versions of metal um and and it was like you know uh and i know there are people that are going to be like fuck you our scene was fucking great in the late 80s but you know and i'm sure that it was but for the most part it was kind of like fucking dried up man and uh and i remember going to see bad religion it who were playing all over town Uh, in the late eighties and they were just doing, you know, like suffer era, just straight up fucking, you know, Los Angeles punk, you know, no fucking, we're not trying to get on MTV. We're not trying to fucking, you know, dumb this down for anybody. And, and, uh, um, I was fucking blown away, man. Uh, you know, it was like, yes, this is the fucking shit, man. It was so pure. Um, and they were so good. And, uh, uh, you know, then what happened was, you know, I ended up, you know, just being a homeless fucking jerk for a long time and, and, you know, going in and out of jail for a bunch of years. And, and, um, you know, by the time I finally got, you know, off the shit and got, a, um, you know, in my, my life back together, it was like the early nineties. Um, you know, it was kind of an Encino man kind of like, you know, thawing out from the, yeah. like, Oh, so here's what's going on. And, and, uh, um, uh, do you want me to just ramble? Cause I'll just
0: ramble, dude, Damien, unless you I, like, want to ask me. No, like, you ramble, question. ramble. Like, you, honestly, I want to get to the exploding fuck dolls. And, and, and okay. At some point, yeah.
1: Where and do you, I, where do you want this to go? And I, I
0: honestly, mean, I want to, I want to say, like, today, I, I like, obviously, I got to have you back for a part two or part three and a part five, <laughs> six, seven, eight, on. eventually. No, honestly, dude. Cause we're not, we're not even at F minus forming, you know? Oh, yeah. Right. Like, yeah. we're not, like, we're not even, like, we're just like not even at. You know, like you, like how you got involved yeah. with working with other bands, or not getting, we're not even, at, we're like I'm sure, choking victim stories and leftover crack stories. I'm sure there's oh, like, yeah, episodes right. and episodes worth of those. Like we are, that's what this I, this podcast. You want to do a ten? Uh, you want to do a ten parter, man? I'm game, dude. We uh, <laughs> trust me. If it goes like this one, you 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 stop me from calling you is the new thing, Brad. You stop me from calling you to keep doing these. Um <sighs> Uh, but yeah, no, I, I, I guess like yeah. So you kind of you know come out through this really obviously horrendous dark period and and, and get to the other side of this thing. Uh, is that around the time you kind of is the exploding fuck all starting at this point or is it already going or? Yeah, I didn't I didn't mean to turn into a drug addict. It just kind of happened. No, obviously, you know? no, and, I, and yeah. Not implying that you I, did it. I,
1: I didn't have any plans to. It was like you know just one day. It's like oh I'm selling all my gear. You know right. oh it's all in the pawn shop and oh I'm selling all of my friends gear, you know, and Oh, like I'm getting, you know, my car exploded and I'm not fixing it. So now I'm like biking around town and, you know, and it just got like really stupid. But I, I, the the way the fuck dolls happened was I actually met Dwayne Peters in jail. Oh wow. (laughs) Of all places. Yeah. We were doing some time together and, uh, um, you know, it wasn't like hard prison jail. It was, we were at this like, you know, work camp kind of thing. It was jail, but it was like, you know, we were outdoors and shit, and and
0: uh, still, so when it was about um, rehabilitation.
1: I, no, actually, there was no rehabilitation oh, okay. back then. It was it was prior to any of that sort of thing. It was like, you know, you had a drug problem, go to jail, you fucking piece of shit, you know. Okay. And, and uh, but I had known of Dwayne through, you know, Mark and Tony, and and uh, just through the scene. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, the guy was like, you know, um, one of the original punk skaters, and and so we all knew who he was in, in Southern California. And I remember like, you know, being in, you know, locked up and, and uh, somebody told me, yeah, man, Dwayne Peters is in here. And I'm like, what Dwayne Peters is a skateboarder. And sure enough, over in the fucking, you know, the, the PA one day, they're like Peters report to the guard tower for blah, blah, blah. And, you know, I see this guy fucking walking up, you know, and it's like, Oh my God, that's him. And, you know, we had never met, but I knew what he looked like and I knew who he was. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, one day, like, you know, I fucking sit down next to him and we're like drinking coffee and smoking cigarettes and, you know, we start to talk in and, and you know, it turns out we knew a bunch of the same people who were into the same music, you know, this and that. And, and uh, you know, a few years later, when we, both of us had cleaned up, um, uh, you know, he had started this, that band, the Exploring Fuck Dolls, with the Godoy brother, you know, the Godoy twins um. Also, skateboarder. But again, me, friends of professional skateboarders. <laughs> Dude, I am a much friend?
0: less talented musician and I'm friends with much less talented skateboarders. So I know exactly <laughs> oh, what you're doing.
1: <laughs> <laughs> right? It's like, oh, who's the third wheel here? Oh, well, yeah, we can play I've,
0: guitar, you know? <laughs> I've been um, there, but, you know, once again, with much less talented skateboarders.
1: And, uh, and so, uh, um, uh, you know, so, uh, again, it was like, you know, somebody got kicked out of their band and Hey Logan, you want to play bass? And so I played bass with them for a while and, and, uh, he played guitar with them for a while too. But when, when Dwayne and I were locked up, we talked about starting a band together. And, uh, um, you know, one of those things of, "Ah, when we get out, we're going to do this and that, and this and that, you know, all these plans you make when you're in jail that never come to fruition when you get out because you just go back to like being a jerk off. And, and, uh, but at, at some point we both did get clean and, and, um, he already had this band going down in San Diego and I joined him and started playing with him. Uh, and they cut that seven inch, um, uh, and I was playing bass on it. I think, yeah, you I believe. Do. Yeah. Is that your first uh, recording? Be... Was it my first, it was the first record I was ever on. Yeah. Yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. Did you, and also had you seen, cause he had like Dwayne Peters had another band before that, right? Like political crap. crap. Yeah. Did you ever yeah. see them?
1: Uh, you know, they were like, they played like parties and, and, you know, the Kooka's nest and stuff yeah. around town. Um, I might've seen them. I don't remember seeing them because yeah. there was a lot of shows I would go to, um, back then that, that I was at, but you know, the lights were on, but fucking nobody was home. <laughs> yeah, of course.
0: Uh, understandable. Um,
1: um, and, and so I may have, I don't remember seeing them, but, uh, um, there were, I don't think they were around for very long. Um, but, uh, <laughs> At any rate, that was, yeah, I'd been playing all those years, and that was the, the first record I was ever on. I was pretty stoked, you know. Yeah. And um, a, it, a, it a, stands
0: up. That's another record that I think stands up. I like, I love that 7-inch.
1: It doesn't, you know, my only copy I had, I gave to Lars and, and who
0: was a record collector. I, I, have, it, oh, I have another copy for you right here, Brad, that I'm going to give you. I have two copies. I swear to God. I have a that second would be copy. Amazing. No, I, I have one right here and I would love if I could give it to you. Are I, you sure? Oh, dude, I, think, if I can return you, one to you and if I have a second copy and I can do nothing else, oh, there's no other better way to give away a second record than to give it back to you. Oh, I would love that. Yeah, I don't even have a copy of it. Oh, please. hundred percent. I'm giving that back to you. So you can realize that, yes, you did play bass on it. And, and
1: oh, my God. Yeah, I haven't heard it in, in
0: years, years and years. I think it's fantastic. Uh, was, I really do like it. I bought I bought it at, at, like, you know, obviously knowing the Dwayne Peters connection to it, but I bought it as a collector record a couple years ago, and then I found a second copy when I bought a collection off someone. So, you know, yeah. it's, it is a a stand-up record still, like, and it's, uh you know, for a first record. But, like, that's the thing is, like, I'm like, wow, you've had an incredible discography from that record on. Little did I know about all your pre-recorded history.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that band was... I mean that was a lot of fun to be in those guys we were just fucking terrorists man you know and and uh the shows were like ridiculous we would play like apartment complexes i remember we played like some girls living room in an apartment complex um you know with like paper thin walls and you know 300 other tenants in this apartment complex at like fucking <laughs> two in the morning one time and in, in you know somewhere around here and it just uh it ended poorly with the police coming and you know, fucking shit getting smashed, and, and uh, to me that kind of stuff was exciting and fun. You know, maybe it's not cool, but it's like the danger was always like, holy shit, yeah, this yeah. is so fucking cool. You
0: know, <laughs> <laughs> I think I think the also like the thing is, it's kind of like, you know, once again, this is from an outsider looking at it, but like it seems like you know, in addition to you kind of coming back to this scene and this music, it seems like that's almost the rebirth of the scene too at that same time period with the beach stuff with like. You know stitches and the the, oh, the yeah. like yeah. the I forget that label like the all those beach hostage records and all that kind of hostage stuff. hostage
1: records yeah
0: starts happening around that same time um, yeah it feels like that seems like is it was that almost like the the rebirth and what kind of started that or do you know what started rekindled that thing <sighs> you know
1: I um maybe the rebirth of 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 that like sort of like uh seventy seven kind of aesthetic you know the the seventy seven seventy eight yeah. Um, and there was like, you know, West or East coast counterparts of that, I think with, um, uh, you know, um, stuff that's going on in Boston
0: in, and stuff too. or in New York? You're right. right. New York.
1: Yeah. Definitely. New York and, you know, Boston and, and, uh, um, you're right. Yeah. Around that time. Um, uh, it just kind of happened. You know, I don't think there was, uh, I don't think it was, um, you know, I guess it was unified, you know?
0: But, uh um, well, it certainly feels like in the beach scene though, like, like I, and once again, this is maybe cause I wasn't there. There doesn't seem to look, there this, like there was this, it seems like there's like almost 10 year period, less than 10 years, maybe like seven year period where there's not too much where it becomes almost like, you know, you mentioned bad religion, but there's not too much other kind of like punk stuff in, the-
1: in my, in my mind. Yeah. It was a fucking wasteland. You know, there wasn't, there wasn't shit for punk. You know, there was, there was, um, around here and, yeah. and again i know there are going to be people that'll, that'll you know beg to deal with me and they could be right you know and and uh, my take on it was um you know there was no one leading the charge like like bad religion was you know suffer uh, no control um against the grain which are like my favorite records by him you know and and yeah. uh, um and they were just so good at it you know and and um uh, so uncompromising you know it was uh um Uh, You know, I mean, people can say what they want about Epitaph, but, you know, fucking, Growitz fucking earned that, man. He put in, you know, it was a a, a labor of love for him, man. And, and, uh, you know, he was, they were fucking into it, you know?
0: Well, I just found myself backdoored into a contract with Epitaph. So I am now uh, an Epitaph recording artist retroactively. A solo artist or or with Fucked Up? No, uh, J-Tree sold its catalog to Epitaph. And we just got emails telling us that we're now on Epitaph. Yes. Wow. So Hidden World is now an Epitaph record, whatever they are going to do with it.
1: Wow, shit.
0: (laughs) Yeah. congratulations. (laughs) congratulations. <laughs> hey, I'm like, if, if I, I remember sitting in uh, my urine trouble practice, that was my first band. Um, and we were like, if we get signed to Epitaph, we should probably all drop out of high school. And so right. and you, you know, get signed
1: to Epitaph and that's it, man. It's the big time.
0: I made it. Yes. I fucking made it. Brad.
1: <laughs> when, do I, when do I quit my job, man? That's it. Yeah, quit- <laughs> cool.
0: Yeah. Um. um, but yeah, no, you're like, but you're right. Cause like, you know, you hear from so many people and it's, and once again, they're a band that, you know, context being everything in a post green day, post offspring, post rancid world. It's kind of diminished the impact they had. But like I had, uh, I had like, you know, Millen calling on and they're talking about like the, the effect bad religion and, you know, also no effects too, but had yeah. on all the bands there and like, you know, it changed the sound of Sweden. Oh yeah. Yeah.
1: And yeah, right. I get, you know, in in the, in the swing of things, it's like, you know, people bag on them and, and and stuff. But yeah, there there was, you know, all of those bands, no effects and bad religion and, and, uh, um, you know, the early epitaph bands. I guess that's what was around, you know, that was the, the, um, that was that, that, you know, missing link that we were talking about, um, of bands that, that were, you know, still around. And, and, you know, you read the, you know, the, I just read the no effects book, you know, a couple months ago. And, and, you know, those guys were touring around the country playing a fucking five people, you know, for years. I, and, uh, it, right. And, yeah. and it's like, nobody fucking gave a fuck, man. And, and there were still, you know, these guys were out there just doing it because they had nothing better to do. And they just got better and better, you know, and, yep. and people only see like, the end result of like, Oh, you know, no effects is, you know, this polished, whatever. But, I remember I remember seeing No effects at, at like the Cathay
0: Grand and stuff and they were dog shit, you know, in like the late 80s. I still stand by Liberal Animation. I think that's a good record. I think there's some
1: What and tracks. then one day like I came out of my coma and it's like fuck, they're fucking great, you yeah. know? And yeah. and uh and same with Bad Religion. I used to see Bad Religion all the time and and they would open for like, you know, every show in LA and I thought they were terrible. And then one day it was like, "Oh my god, they're fucking incredible," you know? <laughs> How did, so? I Sorry, go on. I think there's a lot to be said for that, that for sticking around, man. And, and you don't like, you know, I don't see a lot of that, um, of bands that just fucking stick it out, man. They, you know, if, it, if nothing happens with, you know, the first or second record, they just kind of fold it up or whatever. And, and, uh, you know, it takes time, man, to, to, to like, you know, develop yourself and, and get a thing going, man. And, 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 uh, you know, I think back in the, you know, I, I look back at all this classic rock, you know bands that I love, like the Who and the Stones, and and you know even the Beatles. Like their first like five records were fucking not my favorite. You know what yeah. I mean? And and like the later periods of those bands were, you know, the stuff that I really loved. You know, and, and and I think the same can be said for the you know these punk bands too. It's like,
0: well, yeah, I was thinking about I was talking actually the other day with someone I can't remember who I was talking about this with, but like imagine if Lifetime hadn't gotten past that first album and it was just background. Or, like, or or like, uh, or like, if refused, hadn't gotten to Shape of Punk to come. Like, it's funny. I was thinking about that
1: just the other day about Shape of Punk to come. And, and, and yeah, the, you know, Lifetime, too. Um, absolutely, whom I loved and got to see Lifetime by chance and, and, uh, ended up becoming friends with, with Dan Yeaman and, and who's a hell of a guy. Hell
0: of a guy. Um, Right? Hell you, of a guy, man. Uh, former guest. <laughs> yeah. He's
1: a prince, man. Dr. Prince, Dan.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. Um,
1: but, uh, uh, um, yeah, it's like, you know, you listen to Refuse, you know, pre Shape of Punk to Come, and it's like, they were cool, but, I mean, they'll be the first to tell you that, you know, it's like, yeah, we, you know, we're just another, you know, bunch of, like, small-town guys, you know, doing a hardcore band, nothing special, and then, bam! Yeah. You know, like just not even any plotting on their own, just things just kind of like fall into place. And, and, and it's like, you know, the right amount of mix of these influences and accident and chance. And then like just, you know, brilliance comes out of it, man. Brilliance. Is that a word? You know, something brilliant comes
0: out of it. Yeah, no, brilliance. Absolutely. It's a uh, it's word and it's, it, it definitely applies because it's like – you know, and I just, I wonder if bands would be allowed to get to that stage today.
1: Right? It's like, you know, um, you know, even the, the worst bands, it's like, that doesn't even matter. It's like, yeah. you know, it doesn't matter what you're doing right now. You can become something great, or maybe even what you're doing right now is going to be the best shit, you know, but, mm-hmm. um, I, I, don't think people give themselves a chance, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, it's like, sure. they're playing in front of five people and they think that they're, that they're somehow like, um, not doing something right, or they're, they, you know, they're, they suck or they're losing, you know, and that's not what it's fucking about, man, at
0: all, you yeah. know? Yeah, no, but it's hard. It's, I guess it's, it, it def- becomes defeating at times, you know, and that's the, uh, mm-hmm. I guess that's why so, certain bands do stick around.
1: It's tough. I, I mean, I've been there, you know, where you're mm-hmm. just like, my God, what have I done in my life? I'm a fucking loser.
0: <laughs> Brad, I think
1: we've start, all been there. <laughs> you just start examining every move you made over the last 10 years going, oh, yes. where did I fucking go wrong? You oh, know, yes. One we- time, F-minus played a show in Germany to literally zero people. <laughs> and like, No paid attendance. There was the guy making spaghetti who was putting the show on. You know, and it was like, I have just fucking completely fucked my life up,
0: man. Uh, one question. Did he have a complaint or a criticism about the show?
1: No, that, he loved it. And we, okay, actually played, we actually played our set twice. It was oh. like, there's nobody here. We're playing our set twice. This is fucking great. <laughs> and we had, a, we, we had a blast, man. It turned into a great show.
0: We went and played a festival in France. For ourselves. <laughs> we, yeah, we, we, we played a festival in France one time, kind of before it opened. Like as the gates are open oh, on right? the other side, like a mile away,
1: basically. They so put like, you on before doors, pretty like, much. All right, <laughs> you guys are on now. Yeah, yeah.
0: Um, so I've been there as, as well. I definitely can relate. Yeah, and empathize very yeah. much.
1: Um, and then, and you, and you just keep doing it, though. It's yep. like because because fuck, I don't
0: know, we're crazy or because your poison idea. Or... And one day you're going to put out, feel the darkness. Right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly <laughs> um, man where did you kind of uh, like I guess like the other band I want to kind of know kind of f- how they fit in especially in the beach scene was Pennywise because they would have been I imagine getting very popular at the same time that uh, exploding fuck dolls were kind of playing around so would you guys would you have seen them at that point or to, not to later or
1: um, I did I I, I, uh, I saw them uh, there used to be this club here um, called
0: Night Moves Night
1: Moves it was, it was like the Bob Seeger song, right? And uh, it was in Huntington Beach. And it was just some like fucking awful, god-awful bar that, you know, some guy just started promoting shows at and, and would bring all these touring bands through, you know. And, and uh, Dead Boys played there and, you know, Reunion, Dead Boys. And um. at any rate, uh, I saw Pennywise there. The place probably held like 300 people. and 88
0: uh, Reunion, pe- Dead Boys, you mean? Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. Wow. What was that like? I've always kind of been fascinated uh, by that lineup. Dude,
1: it was, I mean, it was, it was, uh, there were just two guitars and stiv and drums, right? No yeah. basses. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I mean, I was a fan. So to me, it was just like fucking incredible, yeah, you know? Absolutely. And they come pulling up just in like these piece of shit cars, you know, like, and, and fucking there it is. There's the dead boys, you know, like 10 feet in front of you. And, <laughs> and uh, I, you know, I, I loved every minute of it. You know, and did I you get to see they, him the first time around you? I can't I, forget. No, I didn't. No. no, I never saw him back in the 70s or anything. No, yeah, okay. Um, but uh, I did see Pennywise, I saw him at, there, and and uh, um, you know, I mean, they were, uh, they were really good. You know, I, I wasn't uh, um, i didn 't listen to them uh but you know i I understood them and i i appreciated them and and um they were like a totally different scene of like um there was this scene of of punks here that were like skaters and surfers and and guys that didn 't dress like i guess outwardly like stereotypically punk you yeah. know what i mean it wasn 't they didn 't look like english punks you know or New york punks it was this like california like you know um <clears throat> Surfware punk scene, yeah, you know and and uh um and and that was kind of their you know, they brought their own crew down from Hermosa, you know, and people were just losing their shit, you know and and uh <clears throat> and it was cool, and then I didn't see them again until you know, maybe years later at the epitaph summer nationals or or whatever that thing was, which was kind of the explosion of epitaph, I think, um you know, if you want to use that as a reference point, for me, it was they did. Are you familiar with that? Epitaph did this like three-day when they did, the,
0: they did a tour of it later on, but this is like the, the initial Epitaph Summer National where it's like the big like – it's almost like the sub-pop one that happened where it's like the big like No Effects and Pennywise. Who else played? Rancid maybe?
1: Rancid played. That was Off- the first time I saw Rancid. Um, Rancid played and uh, did Offspring. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. It was like three nights at the Palladium and every night was <clears throat> just – it was all Epitaph bands. Yeah. And, uh, I was working for golden voice at the time and I was like doing stagehand stuff. So I was there every night. And, and, um, you know, that was kind of the explosion of of epitaph. And I remember it was like $5 shirts, you know, and $10 to get in. And, and, uh, so like, who could argue, you know, at those prices, right? It's like, fuck, I'll take a shirt. I don't even, I'm not even going to wear it, but it's five bucks. You know, the late (laughs) eighties and early nineties, I was in a fucking drug coma and, and, uh, I wasn't locked up, I was, you know, wasn't going to many shows, and and um, you know, I remember seeing Rancid at, at Epitaph Summer Nationals and just being fucking completely floored, man. It was like you've got to be kidding me. These yeah. guys are the best parts of all the shit I love, fucking rolled into one band, you know, and just uncompromising, bullet to the head again, you know, yeah. like couldn't believe it. I remember watching him with Dwayne Peters. Me and Dwayne were both stagehands, you know, for Golden Voice, and we were watching these guys just going, "What the fuck is this?" But um all of the bands were good, you know, and, and they were all different from each other. Yeah, you know, they all are all
0: different. Of- really. When you think about that, they're, they, they are like—it's funny because that scene is is so associated with like a, a certain uniform sound, but like, right? Yeah, none of those bands have a uniform sound.
1: No, it became, yeah, it yeah. became associated with this thing, man, this, you know, the sound and the style of dress and da-da-da-da, but initially, no, man, they were like early punk shows. It's like every band was different, you know?
0: I guess I can leave it, we'll leave it at the outbreak of the Epitaph explosion and save cool. Epitaph explosion, F-minus, uh choking victim into leftover crack, into present-day for future episodes. But, dude, thank and, you so much. And then so I, and much, then
1: I worked for Ransom for a long time, too. oh no, like I want to save the, that for part two. Some <laughs> of the funnest years of my life, you know? Dude, we're going to save that for part two. That's what oh, gonna... I'm, I'm so sorry. No, no, no. I, I, don't we worry, never, don't, even, no. We never even got to any of this stuff. I'm so sorry. Dude,
0: no, that's even better. It's <laughs> even better. I love when this show moves like this. I hate when it moves too quickly. I like. I really dread when I get through someone's whole career in one episode, because it means that either I haven't done my job or there was really not too much to talk about.
1: Or they had something they got to, they had to do and they're just trying to like, they're looking at the watch. <laughs>
0: yeah, exactly. Yeah. But no, I, I think, uh, I, there are very few of these that did not make it to at least a part two. And with you, I think, Oh man, multiple I, multiples I'm, in the future. <laughs>
1: I, I'm more than happy to Damien. I'm more than happy to. And I'm just so stoked that somebody wants to hear this stuff, you know? I mean, to me, this is like fucking, you know. I, you know, I, I, I'm a big fan of all of this stuff, you know, and and uh, um, so I'm glad. To, it's not always nice to meet uh, another geek, you know, Absolutely. music geek.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I, I, as I tell uh, you know many many a guest, I will see you in part two, and thank you so much again.
1: Thanks, Damien. I'll talk to you soon, brother.
0: Thank you, Brad, for coming on the show. Now, Brad, of course, is doing much more amazing new bands and new projects. Uh, You can find him on Instagram. Uh, You can find him on various other places. But what an amazing guy. You'll find him on the show for many more uh, episodes because we're going to be doing a part two, probably a a, a part, definitely part three, probably a part four, probably part five. We're going to do a lot more because there's a lot more to get into. (laughs) Oh, I love those ones. I love those ones where I kind of go in, and I think it's going to go one way, and then it goes somewhere completely different. But where it goes is somewhere that I want to be. Speaking of where I want to be, you and me are going to want to be here next week on the show. Because next week on the show, I have an awesome conversation with the great Craig Finn from the band Hold Steady, and Lifter Puller, and to some people, he will also be the person behind the great, great band, no pun intended. Craig Finn is an amazing guest to have on this show because believe me, all those bands, even his own first young punk band, no pun intended, do not prepare you for the directions we go with this episode and the stuff we talk about. This is a cool one. Uh, I I yeah. Uh, this is a this is a good one. We're we're on a run. Like I'm having so much fun with this podcast. You know, I'm not. I'm, I'm staying up late, not getting a lot of sleep. These things cause me a lot of stress. Editing these things, trying to book these things. You know, I'm having issues. I want to make this show. You know, I I, I certainly want to make it. Uh, you know, different and everything like that. Always. But uh, we, are, we are on a run of amazing guests. And that run, believe me, it continues. There are some, some incredible things down that pipeline for you all. Uh, but that is also uh, for next week. So hopefully you enjoyed this one as much as I did because I loved it. And I will see you next week. Go out there and make your own culture. And, uh, yeah, love you. Stay safe.